0: Hi guys, my name is Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome back to Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast, being part of the tribe. And this is episode 60, which means... Every week for the last 60 weeks, I have given you a Legally Clueless episode, which may not mean much to you, but to me who has suffered from chronic procrastination (laughs) all my life, (laughs) it's amazing that I didn't talk myself out of this podcast, that I didn't let being the Not the first to do this, because I'm not the first person to ever start a podcast or whatever, but, like, feeling like the decisions I've made, a decision somebody who's not in their right senses would make, does that make sense? Like, I'm moving not on science or on facts and on data, but... Really, just on a feeling that I have inside. And in some spaces, that's enough. And there are some spaces that make you doubt whether what you're doing is rational. I'm just so proud that that didn't get to me. And that didn't make me say, okay, you know what? Let me just pack up my microphone and go back to like a traditional radio station and, you know, get employed, drive to work at 5 30 a.m. <laughs> oh my God, even just saying it. <laughs> Jesus! Yeah. (laughs) Thank God that didn't happen. But yeah, and of course, it couldn't have, the podcast, I mean, couldn't have gotten to where it is now without you. So I'm very thankful. So before I even get to the song of the week and the 100 African story on this episode, I have to share some fantastic news. Legally Clueless has just become the first Kenyan podcast to get syndicated. And what that means is that this podcast is going to be playing on Trace FM, Trace Radio, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 9 a.m. Starting this Monday, 4th of May. So I'm super excited about that because back in 2014, that's the first time I remember, I think I was listening to Rick Dees and I kept wondering what is this radio model this guy is using where he's not? And at the time, well, I think it still plays on Capital to date. I don't think it's played on any other Kenyan radio station. So it was on Capital, And I was like, he's not an employee there. So does he just like produce this show and then send it out across the world to various radio stations? And I started reading up on like syndicated shows and trying to understand what that model really was because I couldn't see it locally. And then I, 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 I would hear like the TED Hour still on Capitol. <laughs> if my former boss hears this, he'll just be like, why you spend all your time listening to the competition? No, but I was like trying to understand syndicated radio shows, audio content that you produce on your own and then you send out to various radio stations or media houses. So in 2014, that was my earliest memory of actively saying... This is something that I want. And then in 2020, six years later, it happens. And it's so funny because the first person that I pitched this idea to completely dismissed it. (laughs) Let me tell you guys, life, you have to be hardcore. (laughs) Because, you know, and I don't know if it's for creatives. No, no, no. I think it's across the board. Anything that you create and that you fully believe in and you, you've you poured your heart into and you're like, yes, now I'm going to carry this and present it to other strangers. First and foremost, even just that step of stepping out to pitch something is the hardest thing ever because you're in the back of your mind thinking about, you know, fear of failure, fear of the unknown and what your reaction to no is going to be. Because I just don't like hearing No. <laughs> I understand it's part of life, but it just does not feel good. It really doesn't. And so I worked up the courage and, you know, presented this entire idea. And this was actually before I'd even started the show. And the person that I was pitching it to is somebody who I really respect and somebody who I think has like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like media. And so when they really didn't get sold on the idea, I started wondering if, Maybe the problem was me. (laughs) Maybe the problem is this idea of mine. However, you know, I'd already resigned and I was serving my notice. And then a couple of months into Legally Clueless, I pitched this idea a second time. This second time, the person didn't say no. Actually, I think they ghosted me. (laughs) They actually did ghost me. They just kind of went silent. I don't know. Is silence synonymous with like a no or is it a maybe I don't know and then you know the thing is like you know you're taught how you have to keep if you really want something you have to keep pushing and pushing but sometimes I feel like maybe somebody goes silent because they don't know how to tell me no and they they want to kind of not hurt me so they're just like silence (laughs) And such that meme of like Bart Simpson going back into the fence. I feel like that's what people do when they don't want to tell me no. Anyway, so they went silent and I was like, okay. And then the third time I pitched it was to Trace. And I'm just so happy that they completely understood the idea. They enriched the idea. And they're also very passionate about African youth and African culture and African stories and ensuring that they are really deeply rooted in celebrating all of that, which is what Legally Clueless does in terms of the stories and just the conversations that we have. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself. Made the announcement on the 1st of May. I was so nervous putting that out on my social media because I was like, oh crap, now there's no going back. (laughs) And it's also that fear of being the first to do something. It kind of... Puts more eyes on you and more pressure on you. But I just kind of have to keep reminding myself that it's not what's coming in from the outside in. What's more important is where I'm at internally, like silence the noise from the outside and just kind of focus on the good things and the noise that are internal. But <sighs> I'm excited, but I'm quite nervous i was talking to a friend of mine about this entire legally clueless playing on trace fm thing and she was like oh you know you actually had vocalized that this is something that you want so you've hit your goal and we established that there's this thing that i always do whenever i set out to because i'm a firm believer in if you want to achieve something you write it down you put it on a whiteboard or you write it in a notebook you make actual steps towards actualizing that goal. Guys, I think there is a wasp in this room. I can hear it but I don't know where it is. <laughs> I swear, at this house. If it's not geckos, it's wasps. Oh. And I've been stung once by a wasp and it is not pretty. That thing swells. And I remember I got stung on my neck. I looked like I had an emerging head from my... Anyway, back to the ghouls. <laughs> Yeah, so we we established that there's this thing that I do. Every time I work towards an, a goal and I write it down, I vocalize it. I say this way I want to go. I ask for help when I need it. And then I attain the goal. After celebrating, my second thought is, wait, why me? And then I start thinking that I don't deserve it. Then I start thinking that people are going to hate what I've created. And then it's just spirals and spirals into thoughts that are super overwhelming and Man, so obviously I knew this deal was going to start on the fourth of May, and last week I was already in the zone of like questioning whether I'm good enough to have this opportunity. And I remember one morning my husband was leaving for work, and I just turned to him. I was like, "I feel so worthless." And that's such a heavy word. I really feel guilty for using such a heavy word of myself because even his face was like, "Hi, what? <laughs> worthless." but it's where the overthinking had gotten me too and I was like questioning everything that I'm doing and so I'm I'm kind of struggling with with that and it's you know I told you my friend and I were speaking and we established it's something that I do constantly whenever something good happens and not good that it was by luck or somebody did me a favor as in it's something I've set out and I'm working towards achieving and then I achieve it and I'm just like But why me? It sounds irrational, but I think they call it imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, I don't know if you go through it. Are there things you do to kind of work your way out of it because it's really overwhelming and uncomfortable? So there are like two things that I'm I'm trying to do to help me maneuver through this because as much as I have constantly been doing this, I've only just become aware of it. So you know how. In your mind, you have a list of, and I don't know why we do this ourselves, like we are our own greatest critics. A list of everything that you've not achieved or something that you've failed at. And you have a list of things that you don't do well. And that list is top of mind, man. It's, it's always there. It's always there, ready to remind you of how not worthy you are. But we never have a list of things that we've accomplished because while I know it's important to be humble, but it's also important to celebrate yourself and say, hey, I did that or I managed to do this or I learned this. So I'm trying to keep a list of things that I've achieved, small things, big things that's like across the board. And whenever I start feeling worthless, I just kind of like reflect on that list and be like, come on, you might be feeling down right now, but you're also the same person who has achieved one, two, three. So chin up. This is just a phase. It's just a feeling. It is not the truth. These thoughts that are coming in now and you're going to be okay. The second thing that I am doing is I'm acknowledging that things may not always work out the way I want them to, or even at my Time. So, for example, wanting a syndicated show in 2014, it's taken me six years to actualize that. And so much happened in the six years. I was on a mid-morning show in 2014. Then I was uprooted (laughs) onto a breakfast show. And then I resigned. And then built this whole studio, and then I started podcasting. So a lot has happened that I I wasn't aware would happen back in 2014, and I needed all of what's happened to happen for me to be ready to create my own show before even syndicating it. And I think this second point of acknowledging that things may not always work out the way I want them to helps me with fear of failure and fear of the unknown because I told you the first time I pitched this I got a flat out no, right? In that moment, that looked like failure to me. But in hindsight, it was just things not happening at the time that I wanted them to happen. It wasn't failure. So acknowledging that things may not always work out the way I want them to in the order that I want them to or at the time I want them to helps me kind of not beat myself up when the plan changes, yeah? I mean, it's tough. It's easy for me to sit here and tell you. (laughs) Just acknowledge. But it's tough. But I think when you are conscious about it, it kind of changes how you look at failure and what you perceive failure to be. It changes how you interact with the fear of the unknown, which I feel is is constantly there for me. But I don't know, of late, I'm kind of comfortable with how life just happens and it just, it just happens. Um, And there's, there's very, very little I have control over. That used to frustrate me before, but now i feel feel like I've gotten closer to just accepting that and taking life as it comes. Anyway, that's a lot. That's a lot that I've shared with you. Clearly, this has been an insightful week. <laughs> but at the very least, I just hope this major step that I've taken and how long it has taken me to get to this step can inspire you to just start that project or that thing that you're kind of talking yourself out of starting because we always have that and we always do that for the first couple of years before we start. I just hope this can inspire you to begin with what you have and begin with what you know and then take it from there. So we need to do two things. First, I need to share the song of the week, which is so aligned with how I'm feeling and what I've just shared. And it is by India Aree. I don't know if I've shared this song before, but guys, it's on rotation for me. It's called Break the Shell. And if you watch the music video, I'll put the link in the description box. Um, it starts with her saying how she has come from like a four or five-year hiatus, and this was her fifth show, and she was finally feeling like herself. I don't know, it's just and this is what I do with India Arie songs. I listen to the song, I read the lyrics. <laughs> Because it's just such depth and it's it's a song that talks about how you can't fly if you don't break the shell, right? So that really goes back to the whole, just start doing what it is you want to do. I hope you really love the song as much as I do. <laughs> Remember, you can share your favorite songs with me on the podcast hotline, which is also in the description box. And now I want us to jump into the 100 African story this week. Again, that looks at putting yourself out there and dealing with failure. It's a story by a guy called Hudson who I recorded during the Legally Clueless university tour. And I was so happy that I got to record him. I, I think he was the last story I recorded at that particular university. But why I enjoyed it is because I've always been intrigued by campus politics And whether it's as cutthroat as national politics. And I just love that he talks about losing the elections, losing money, unfortunately, losing a friend, his friend. You know what? I'm giving you too much. I'm giving away too much. Just listen to the story.
1: A hundred African stories.
0: There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done.
1: Hey, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that.
0: I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy.
1: Stories from Africa. My name is Hudson. I'm Enya. I'm a student at USIU Africa. I study journalism. I'm a senior. It means I'm in my final year. Enough Africa, I come from Kenya, western part of Kenya, uh, specifically Kakamega, where strong people originate. <laughs> in 2016, uh, when I came here in September fall, I was obviously nervous, like anybody else. Um, I was nervous about the nature of USIU. I was wondering if I was going to meet white people uh, every day on the streets. Uh, that was that worry. I was a bit worried. But I, being the social person that I am, I joined the system. A few years when, when I, you know, a few months when I was um, getting to know what campus is all about and I happened to have had a lot of friends. One of my friends, um, Moses Ayodeji, was um uh, a Nigerian football player, a very great friend of mine. I joined uh, campus politics um, in 2016, the, the same, the same you know, fall semester that I was admitted. And uh, we became very close friends with Moses Ayodeji. And in 2017, in spring, before we went to the elections, because I was contesting, um, Moses got an accident and uh, he passed away. So that was the lowest moment I've ever had in my life. Uh, I do not remember crying for a friend than I did in 2017 when we did his memorial. So I think the the most difficult thing that I had to cope up with was losing a very close friend who was uh, helping me in the strategy of that election. Th- that... You know, I think must have contributed to the fact that I lost that election. He, he was very close to me. You know, we—he was one of my first, very first friends uh, in campus. We we did orientation together. Uh, we did our freshman party together. We were very close. Mm-hmm. It was um, a Nigerian student who was also doing journalism. Mm-hmm. So it tells you that uh, majority of our classes we did together. Mm-hmm. So it was very unfortunate that he didn't have to finish even one full semester in school until he passed. You know the 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 thing is that I did not give up. Um we came to terms that uh, we had lost Moses IDG and we had to proceed with plans as um as it had been scheduled. For example, we had to, uh, to to change now who was our point person to the communities, mm-hmm. because Moses had come in as a point man in the intercommunity uh, committee that we had formed. So we had to to find out someone else um, from the dean's residence. We got someone who helped us to mobilize the communities uh, in our favour. He was very instrumental uh, and we knew that with his help we were going to win that election. Uh, My party had four four candidates, two ladies and two gentlemen, myself included, but we lost it. I think it must be, that, like I said before, his demise contributed to our failure um, because I think the person we replaced him with was not as, as good as uh, Moses would have been. You know, Adele, you, you when you're a politician, you do not give up. I have um, in mind a few politicians uh, who have never given up. They have remained firm strong and yet consistent. Some of them have very huge followings in this country. You know, someone like Raila has tried so many times unsuccessfully, uh, but he has a very strong following that doesn't give up. You know about Abraham Lincoln, who went to an election almost eight times and so it was the eighth time that um, uh, he managed to win that seat. Campus politics, but the dynamics are well the same as uh, national politics or, or national elections. Uh, in 2016 and 17, we we used to do you know popular election. Mm-hmm. where candidates get to be elected on popular basis. So you campaign, and then on the election date, the number of votes you garner will depend where you sit in, in the list of contestants. Now, you remember in 2018, there was the University Amendment Act of 2018 uh, where they introduced the electoral college um, as a system of... Um, you know, electing student representatives. Mm. So that we have adopted, and it's now what we we are following uh, as our system of election. But it's pretty tough, because either way, whether popular or uh, electoral college, you have to be strategic. You have to plan yourself. You have to have thousands, if not hundreds of supporters. You have to come up with strategic teams to push your agenda, you have to mobilize, you, you know, you have to profile yourself as, as a good leader. We do a door-to-door campaign in classes. We also do political rallies. It, it involves, uh, you know, inviting students to, uh, say, you know, to, to, to a place, for example, the auditorium, and speaking to them, your manifesto. Um, sometime we do on-street um, rallies, we hire tents, uh, inside school, and then we we do you know a PA a public address system and music we bring performers. Uh, in 2017, um, there was one gentleman who composed a song for our team, so it's that serious. <laughs> you have to put yourself out there. So you know it all culminates from um, what I'm doing in school. Um, first of all. I have a very big interest in national politics. So, so for me, it's it's a matter of um, after doing what I'm doing here. Uh, apart from looking at uh, the career, you know, journalism, we have to do this. We have to go into politics. I I lost elections two times. Um, that means I lost money two times.
0: <laughs> like how
1: much? <laughs> those are our internal dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my party will not be happy. <laughs> if I can say uh, a good amount of money that can make someone cry. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> it's very terrifying um, and traumatizing at the same time. You know, it, it, like a competition, you know, like a marathon. There is always, you know, we politicians... Sh- Go to elections with uh, that narrative that there will be number one, number two, number three, and there will, will always be that person who comes last. So whether we lose or not, it's still normal. Mm-hmm. No wonder we have gone through it three times. I think we reconciled ourselves we you know in when we lost election first time and the second time we called ourselves and asked ourselves now what direction should we take okay. we have lost this uh, uh, thing and uh, we we did a petition by the way um because we believed that uh, the election was not conducted in a proper manner we lost that petition on grounds of uh, time badness and then we had to consider giving those people an opportunity to serve the students mm-hmm but then we knew our time was uh, coming so for that period we served as opposition leaders which we did very perfectly the biggest challenge uh, for us is um, you know it's like a father who has so many kids will always will always have a very difficult time to uh, distribute suites, depending on what is who is your favorite. All student activities are under the Student Council. And uh, one thing we find very difficult is um, giving resources to our clubs, the staff that work under the Student Council. That has been one of the biggest challenges. And also to bring the students on board for purposes of participating in student activities, uh, student council activities. Although we try to mobilize using uh, the electoral college, our club leaders, uh, and other people who we know can be influential, we still have that challenge. So it's a problem of resources because we have a limited budget to operate within, uh, but also bringing students to participate in activities. You, you know, people are looking at us as goons, you, you are looking at us as people who are not progressive. On the contrary, we are the most progressive, student leaders are the most progressive, you know, leaders in this country. In the 70s or in the 80s, when, you know, University of Nairobi was the thing then, and student leaders there, uh, you know, kina James Orengo, kina Moses Wetangula, they were very instrumental in the second liberation, you know, the restoration of multi-party uh, system of governance in Kenya. And th- that was then the rebirth of democracy. Those who say that student leaders do not have uh, any progressive agenda, they do not have anything to contribute, are just naysayers. If you look at uh, proposals like, uh, the, you know, the BBI uh, and other proposals that have been there before. They have come to us for consultation. They have participated in you know, pub- public participation exercises uh, that build up the BBI report. Mm-hmm. So I do not know from what angle they are saying that student leaders cannot contribute to national issues and issues that are of national importance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In 2017... Um, uh, you know not not yeah yes 2017 um when we went to when i went to my first election and my candidate for chair you know we were using electro, uh, electronic electronic uh, voting mm-hmm. so the the voting is not manual like you take a paper and you put it in the box it was electronic on a computer um and that time it was popular vote so it appeared that um my candidate, who was our, our team's chairperson, had been rigged out of, you know, the process. Mm-hmm. What happened was that there was a, an electricity hitch uh, at the polling center with the cafeteria upstairs mm-hmm. where we were using as a polling station. And uh, it then appeared that after a few minutes, the system came. You know, our constitution is very serious on, you know, it's very clear on, how the election should be mm-hmm. if you are using electronic there must be an interruptible power supply and also if you are using that system it must be uh, accompanied by a manual register mm-hmm. so that there is uh, a physical accountability of uh, you know the tally mm-hmm. that is in the system so now 30 minutes later they came and told us that before electricity went we had done a screenshot of everything so everything is safe only to realize la- later that um, even on the screens around school because they were projected that time we used to project results on our screens uh, so you could know what number you are uh, or what votes you have so far prov- provisional results mm. so in the provisional results 30 minutes later gilbert mola who had who had about 500 votes, uh, over, uh, slightly b- above 500, had now 400-and-something votes. So that was the point of conflict. And then we mobilized our supporters. We told them uh, we have to get things right. <laughs> that A few minutes ago, we have had 500-and-something votes, but now we, have, we are back to 400. So we, we did storm the whole um, uh, area. Uh, the whole polling station. We were on the lead to tell people that if you're not careful, your chair to be will be rigged out. And of course, up to now, we still believe he was rigged out. It was very chaotic because the election had to stop for another one hour. All the candidates then had to be called for a briefing. I remember now the security team was deployed there uh, these ones who man the gates to bar us from getting in there. But we were like, you know, this is our right. Going into the polling station is not a matter of, of why we should be there. Even our, um, our agents, who blew the whistle, by the way, mm. were removed from the, office, from, the, from the polling station. And then that, that was the biggest cause of mm. that contention. In any election, contention has never lacked. Uh, There must be, you know, a conflict. There there must be that moment when uh, people are really, really on, on each other's jugular. Catch our next African stories in the next episode.
0: I am just so thankful of how real Hudson is about the ups and downs of campus politics. I think it's commendable to, as a freshman, your first semester be thinking about, okay, I need to put myself out there and start running for a campus politics seat. Because I remember when I was uh, at a campus, I remember when I was a freshman. First, I was just so shy. You're still trying to figure out how to make friends. You're not really in the space of, okay, I want to make changes. I want to represent the students. I love that he talks about losing money and losing elections. Because it goes back to how I began this episode, just talking about our relationship with both fear and failure. Remember, as well, if you want to share your story on Legally Clueless, I'm currently recording stories remotely and I've Last week, recorded quite a few Legally Clueless listeners. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'll be sharing some of those stories really soon. If you want to share your story as well, all you have to do is record a one-minute WhatsApp audio note, just kind of telling me a bit about the story that you want to share. And it's a story of something that you've experienced or witnessed. Send that to the Legally Clueless podcast hotline, the number is in the description box of this episode. And then I will reply by sending you some tailor-made story prompts specific to your story, just to kind of help you flesh it out and, you know, feel out the story a bit. And then after that, we'll set a date where we will record your story remotely. And it's normally such a fun experience. Like, whenever I record stories, I leave there feeling like I've made a new friend and I've learned something new. It's so therapeutic, both for the storyteller and myself. And so, yeah, I look forward to hearing your story demos. And don't forget, you can join the Legally Clueless tribe by following our Instagram page. It is Legally Clueless Podcast.